0: Hey, this is Travis. Welcome to Midweek. Today is a little bit different. Uh, This week we're going to be airing a conversation that I was able to have with some of our friends from Covenant Church. Um, You'll recognize the faces, you'll recognize the names. Like we said last week in our our Midweek podcast, uh, this is just a comma. There's There's no period here, right? So the conversation we began last week with Tina and Pastor David is continuing on in this conversation. So this, this week and next week, you're gonna to get to hear from Tina again. You're gonna to get to hear from uh, Joey Hughes, who is a police officer in our church. You're gonna to get to hear from a number of, of, uh, of people. But I wanna read you a passage of scripture right before we jump in. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 23, it says this, have nothing to do with foolish, um, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant conversations you know that they breed quarrels. (laughs) And so there's a difference between foolish conversations and important conversations. Sometimes uh, that deals with people's perspectives. And so that's what we're kind of dealing with here, striving for unity as a church. I think it's important just to give a little precursor to this podcast if you're listening or watching today. It's important to understand that you can do both, right? Um, and as a church, we're called to do a lot of both, right? Um, I, can, I can support people's right to protest, but also believe that it's wrong to loot. I can do both. I can love deeply, care and appreciate for law enforcement and also love and care deeply for my brothers and sisters in the black community. You can do both. I can actually say, we can say, that black lives do in fact matter while not actually supporting a political agenda from an organization called Black Lives Matter. Its conversations are very close to the line, very nuanced, and it's going to require us to have a very strong biblical worldview that we walk through as we strive for unity, not engaging in quarrels, but engaging in precious conversation. And so I want to encourage you, take a moment
1: to listen and watch this conversation today. I think you'll enjoy it. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this conversation. Um, You know, for me personally, the reason I wanted to do this was because my buddy DJ actually shot a video about a week and a half ago um, in light of the George Floyd incident um, and really was sharing his heart on on racism, um, sharing his frustration, sharing his hurt and pain. And I hadn't seen that from my brother. I hadn't seen that from from a lot of people. Um, And this was just the first time that I felt very, very deeply that I wanted to be a part of the change. I wanted to be a part of a movement that brings people together and bridges the gaps that need to be bridged so that we can move forward in a way that actually heals the damage that's been done. Um, I don't feel qualified or have all the answers, but I did think we could at least have a conversation and get some people together and talk through this issue and hopefully make some progress even just in our immediate context. So I've got a few people here that I want to introduce to you. Um, All different perspectives, all different stories. Um, Just wanted to get together and and talk about how we can we can heal, how we can make a difference. So i have got Tina Weller here. Super excited to have her on. Thanks for accepting the invite to be here. She's the founder of Strengthening Strengthening Family Ties Institute. And something really interesting that I think she brings to the table is she's married to a white man had some very interesting experiences in the church that I hope we get into um, as a result of that. And so we're excited to hear your perspective. We've got Dr. I'm sorry, Pastor Travis Davenport. He wanted me to say doctor, but it's just not true. So Travis Davenport, uh, he's the the pastor at Covenant Church in Grove City. Excited to have you represent the church here um, and speak a little bit more to Christians in this context. Got DJ Malone outside of being one of my good friends. Um, You know, he's really just kind of impacted me a lot recently on all this um, and i wanted to bring his perspective he's really i guess kind of our co-host here um yeah he is so the pressure is on buddy but excited to have you on if you don't know he's got an awesome food truck tasties you better get online and check it out and support their their uh, what they've got going on and then we've got joe hughes so he is a police officer for gross city police department we're super excited to have you on share your perspective um, the goal here is for us to be open and honest, to have a real conversation about what's going on. We're just average people trying to make a difference. And so um, we're trying to be as honest as we can be, as open as we can be, just have a discussion about what's going on. So, first question I want to ask, it's not really a question, but a statement for anybody that's, that's willing to start us out. In about a minute or less, I want you to explain a little bit about um, What's been going through your mind lately in light of these recent events, especially George Floyd and the riots and protests that have taken place thereafter?
2: Uh, I'll start off. I think for, for me, um, seeing what I saw was sad, um, despicable in my, in my eyes um, and from the people around me that I've experienced uh, their thoughts on it. Um, my side in law enforcement, it's been scary uh, for myself just because the, the hate that I've been receiving and other officers been receiving. Um, some of the things we've got to go involved in with the protests in Columbus. Um, there's just a lot of uh, negativity towards us. So when, it, when I leave for work, it's been real scary for the family of what's gonna happen. And that's been my personal experience right now.
3: <clears throat> Honestly, for me, you know, it's at this point, every single day that goes by for me, I kind of have a different type of emotion Uh, Some days I may wake up and be a little bit more angered by it. Of course the first, you know, two days afterward, it was a little bit more anger. Um, Some of it goes to being sad, Um, just when you consider the families affected by it, when you consider, you know, the police officers affected by it, there's just so many people that are affected by it, and then you get into, you know, some details, some statistics, Uh, some arguments, you know, left and right side, whatever the case may be, when you really start to consider the division that has has been going on for such a long time, but also now just trying to bridge that gap, it it just naturally brings out a lot of different emotions in you. Um, And, you know, honestly, if it doesn't bring out a lot of different emotions in you, then, you know, that's probably where we need to start. Uh, conversations and and um, doing things such as this to be able to to have those conversations and thoughts and let people know that and see that so:
4: uh,
0: I think for me personally, um, just kind of pick, to piggyback off of what you said, there's a lot of emotions, you know because I'm trying to run things through the filter of being a husband, being a dad, being a friend, being a brother, being a son, being a pastor you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think, what would it be like if, you know, that was, you know, you talk about George Floyd or anybody who's killed unjustly, but specifically George Floyd, what, what would, what would I feel like if that was my dad, you know, what would I feel like if that was my brother, my emotions would be different. You know, Mm -hmm. he happens to be somebody that I don't know happens to be a black man that I don't know that I've never met. And, and yet I try to put myself in other people's shoes. Because when I, when anybody is killed unjustly, it's hard for us to understand the emotions they're going through. Now add to it, add to it the complexity of that person being a different race, mm-hmm. you know, in a different state, and it adds to it as well. So I think what I'm walking through personally, as as a pastor, is just hearing so many different sides and different opinions and different thoughts and different emotions and trying to say like, okay, how do we strive for unity here? How do we strike a balance where we're all able to talk, all able to understand? Tina's helped me with that to a degree mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that's striving for unity. That's, that's yeah, that's been a challenge mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Okay.
4: Um, well, for me, when this first happened, um, a roller coaster of emotions, um, but it unfortunately wasn't something that I was completely shocked by. Um, And sad to say, because this isn't the first time that um, I've seen something like this happen, um, as well as, you know, obviously a number of other people um, within specific communities. This is something that um, has been taking place for quite some time. Um, And I think that just within uh, probably the recent maybe 20 years, um, it's because of technology that, these types of things have been um, publicized. Uh, Whereas, like I said, for me, this was not a big shock, Um, but the emotions have just been kind of going up and down just depending on what day it is and what new information's coming out and um, reactions to that new information, things of that nature. So just a a lot. And then from the standpoint of um, being a counselor, dealing with other people's emotions, um, because a lot of people are struggling Mm -hmm. uh, with mental health right now, on top of the fact that we were already dealing with a a viral pandemic. Um, So now you got this on top of it. uh, I'm dealing with a lot of people that are having some challenges um, with their mental Mm -hmm. health. And so it's just, and, and with me dealing with it, because I'm a person too, um, so I'm dealing with people's mental health issues as well as trying to deal with my own at the same time about the same issues. Um, it's been a real challenge. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna ask a little bit more about that because I would imagine that'd be really tough to really try to focus on other people's situation and all of this, but also trying to deal with it yourself. I mean, you, you said yourself, you've been experiencing a wide range of different emotions. What has that been like as you've been trying to help other people but trying to work through it yourself
4: it takes a lot of prayer (laughs) a lot of conversations with god um to be completely honest um because human nature and as we were talking about on wednesday the human heart it's a wicked thing and if it's not kept in check for me through the word of god it's just it would be all bad um, because it would be so easy just to listen to every opinion that's in your ear every five seconds and just go with that, just based off of what I'm currently feeling right now. And so to be able to try and keep that in check and keep it in perspective to where it doesn't go off in left field somewhere um, is difficult to say the least. Um, Because, you know, obviously what did happen um, to George as to why everybody is in the position they are in right now in this country with what's going on and the reason that we're here today having conversations about this um, is because it it hasn't, in my opinion, been dealt with successfully in the past. Um, There has been dialogue. There has been movement forward, obviously, but there's still work to be done. And so just trying to to keep that perspective in mind and try and manage the emotions that go along with that. Um, Like I said, it's a daily thing that I have to do. I have to pray daily, I have to read daily, I have to have those conversations with God daily. Um, I have to take care of my own mental health, (laughs) to say the least, um, before I can help anybody else. Because if my mental health is not, together. There's no way that I would be able to help you or you or you to do anything. Um, I'd be no good to you. So I just try and practice daily through prayer and conversations with God to stay grounded. That's good. That's good.
1: I want to zero in a little bit more on, I think it's hard to deny the reason we're all sitting here is a result of the George Floyd incident, right? For some reason, this has sparked a response that's been unlike any other that I've seen in my short 28 years. Um, but I've, I've seen, at least media has, um, has shown us and shed light on many of incidents like this one in the past, but it hasn't sparked a response quite like the one we're seeing today. Um, we've seen people in London protesting. We've seen people in Ireland protesting. I mean, all over the world and we've seen a lot going on right here in our backyard, especially in Columbus. You've got protests, you've got peaceful protests, you've had some rioting, looting taking place. But then you've also, I think from another perspective, people in my shoes, just a normal everyday person, I've been impacted in, in such a different way. And I don't know if you guys have, but I was never prompted to have this conversation before with any other incident. What do you think is so different about George Floyd's death that has sparked such, such a response, maybe even a
3: revolution in our country today? I wouldn't necessarily say that anything is different. I would just say, coming from the black community, um, I, think, I think in a lot of different situations, you can get to a point where it's just like, enough is enough. Like we're just tired. We can't continue to go down this road. Um, you know, up, up until this year, as far as televised, um, you know, racial, you know, police brutality, or it doesn't even have to be that social injustice, different things like that. Maybe something that happens every now and then here or there. We'll talk about it for a little bit. It'll fizzle out a little bit, but when this is something that has happened so consistently recently. When you see, of course, the George Floyd thing, when you see the situation in Georgia with the two guys killing a jogger, um, and then that going you know, two or three months without having any justice coming out until the video came out, I think it got to a point of what the George Floyd thing in two different ways. Number one, we seen by his cries and by the, the videotapers' cries, so to speak, we seen a lot of different people affected even in that moment. So you had, of course, him sitting there screaming out for his mom, or screaming out, "I can't breathe." And then you had people on the side screaming, "He can't breathe!" Like check for, like checking, blah blah blah. Like you seen different people affected in that moment. So then it gets to a point. To where, for us, it's like it's 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 we're just tired of it. Um, we're tired of continuously having to so called so so forth so on or so called saying um peaceful protest and just talking about it in in a tweet or or talking about it in a speech for maybe you know a celebrity or somebody like that like none of this stuff has happened none of none of this stuff has really created the change that we know that we need and then specifically for the george floyd thing it was just like okay like this is showing y'all how crazy we have how crazy things have been up to this point. But also we've been able to show you that it's gone what, two, three days before, you know, justice was even started in the situation. Um, you know, a lot a far, as far as um the police officer not even being arrested for a couple of days, or the other three guys or four guys that was involved in it. Um it went a, a whole week before they were. So you know, it's it was just tiring. It's just like, at this point, we don't want to deal with it anymore. And it was something that was so emotional in that moment with the cries, with the cries especially. I think it was, you know, I seen yesterday people talking about when you get moms outraged because you had him screaming for his mom. And when you get moms outraged, that's when you know that you're about to you know what I mean? The whole yeah. blunt of it's about to come. Yeah. Cause now the mamas that's sitting at home watching that video, they're like, like PT said, I can, I can only imagine if this was my son or my daughter right. or, or um, and having to live through that. So that's, I think that's what's really, really sparked that in a way that has caused us to do things like this, so. Well,
0: I think extreme situations, right? Create great polarization. Because when you, when, you, when you watch that video, <clears throat> I really don't think that there's a person who would watch that video mm-hmm. who could justify any part of it. You know what I mean? I, I've, I've talked with, I mean, I've, I've talked with you, I've talked with other of our friends who are in the police force, I've talked with other pastors, I've talked with a lot of people. There's not one person who could say, yeah, how that went down, that's normal. No, that was abnormal, it was wrong, it was evil, it was awful but it's an extreme situation. So what it does is it creates very polarizing sides. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what's to a degree being, being discovered is, is like there's just the polarization and the disunity and people choosing sides. And it's like, you know, when you, when you have a conversation and you feel like I can either like, you know, I can either, this would be like conversation, okay? It's almost like you're forced to choose a side, you know? And you can't be both. It's like, I can either love black people and, 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 and dislike cops, or I can love the police. And that means I dislike black people or Asian people or Hispanic, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's like extreme situations create great polarization and make you choose sides. And I don't, I'm going to pull the pastor card here. So when, when you look at, (laughs) well, when you look at Jesus, he was a uniter. He took, he took parties that were extremely separated and stood in the middle and brought them together. I mean, there's no greater example than Jews and Gentiles. Completely different race, right? Extremely different. I mean, so separated that Gentiles couldn't know God. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's extreme racial distance, completely different. And Jesus bridges the gap, brings them all together. And so I, I think... And you look at that, Jesus standing up for the adulterous woman, Jesus standing up for the lives of children, Jesus standing up to the Samaritan at the well. I mean, over and over and over, um, Jesus is the uniter, breaking party lines and saying, like, I don't care. Right. I don't care about that. I don't care about, listen, I'm I'm about this business right here. And, and so that's why we got to strive for unity, you know, in all of our conversations. And I think I think that happens when I begin to understand that, I don't have your perspective, a, because I'm not a woman. You know what I mean, and so that's that's there. I mean that's out. You know, (laughs) and then b, I'm not a black woman, and so the way that you view the world is going to be different than the way that I view the world. I mean, you're a white dude. The way that you view the world, you grew up in Baltimore, Mm going to be different than I view the world. I grew up in Ohio, so your perspective is going to be different. The uniting factor though that we have is the gospel. And so I might not have a lot in common with you. I might not have a lot in common with you. I'm not a cop. I don't have a lot in common with you. But the one thing that we do have in common is the gospel of Jesus
1: Christ. Yeah. And so that's the uniting thing, I, th- I believe. Yeah. So I want to talk about that a little bit more. I'm glad we got into that so quickly. I feel that a lot of the response you'll get outside of the church to that message mm-hmm. is not super positive in that number one the gospel in and of itself is offensive you know, you're telling someone there's a sin issue in their heart yeah. it needs to be changed for there to be any change in yourself to begin with let alone mm-hmm. uh, you know across the country or the globe when it comes to an issue like this those people that are saying you know what i get where you're coming from pastor but i've been dealing with racism from people that even say they're saved mm-hmm. for so long you know, it's kind of like, on one hand it's like, yeah, I get where you're coming from, but this is happening to me right now. Uh-huh. What do you say to those people with those
0: thoughts? Are you talking as, as somebody who ha- has experienced racism?
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you say to somebody who is experiencing racism currently? And, and, from a and what they're hearing is, well, the answer is you've got to get saved. And maybe they've had Christians that have, have, um, have discriminated against them or, been, uh, you know, racist against them in their, yeah. their yeah.
0: well, I mean, I think you got to be honest, you know, I think you got to, like I just said, I think conversations like this, mm-hmm. you know, first, I mean, I think in the end of the day, we mentioned this the other day, it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue, yeah. but we can't, we can't, uh, we have to acknowledge there is a skin issue here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so I think as the church. It's important for us to call out evil when we see it and insert the gospel into it. And so I think the job of white individuals, right, is to acknowledge that we don't understand the perspective of people who aren't our same skin color or lack of. I'm pink, but you know what I'm saying, right? (laughs) I'm just, I'm being, there's white and then there's me. Okay. I think it's our job to take a stand for people who can't take a stand for themselves. You know what I mean? It's our job to do that. And, and I think that's what's so amazing about the church. We have doctors in our church. We have law enforcement in our church. We have professors in our church and teachers in our church, stay at home moms in our church. And if we take a stand at times when other people can't take a stand, when it comes to race, when it comes to finances, when, when it comes to anything, right? We have to stand in the gap for people. And that's what Jesus Christ consistently did, you know? And I think that's what it means to be the church, standing up for somebody when they're saying something and people aren't hearing it. It's my job to come alongside and
4: help them be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, too, like what you were saying, uh, Dylan, about uh, the people that don't believe in Jesus, let's yeah. say, and because they're, yeah. they're involved in this, too. Um, now you're working on a completely different platform right. because they don't yeah. have any concept of Jesus, who he is, what he's done and they don't buy it okay let's be honest they don't buy it Uh, they don't want to hear it they don't want to know about it Um, i've had these conversations um with people some of which are in my family um Mm -hmm. while all of this is going on and i i actually we're talking about posts that i put on uh, some social media and one of them was to my cousin because he Mm -hmm. um doesn't believe in god Um, he doesn't want to hear about god and so when you come from a perspective of, I don't believe in God, but here's all this stuff happening. He's a black man and he's angry. He, he's hurt. So I can't necessarily talk to him about Jesus fixing this for him. Um, he won't hear it. So I, I even told him, I said, you know, you and I, we really can't even have a conversation about this so much. We can have it to an extent because we're, we're both African American, but we can't agree on what the solution is. Right. Because for me, the solution is Jesus. I agree 100%. It is it is the sin issue. It's in the heart of man because the heart of man is wicked. But I can't get that point across to my cousin who doesn't believe in Jesus. Right. So, and, and to be quite honest, um, He's just kind of fed up with white people, period. Um, and I, me trying to kind of talk to him and say, you know, you, you can't go around with that in your heart and live your life that way because that's just gonna produce more hatred, more problems, it's, it, you can't live that way, it's not gonna turn out well. Um, so for those people that are in that particular group where they don't believe in God, how do we have those conversations with yeah. them? So- That's
1: what I'm really getting at. How do you speak to those people?
4: You, you have to look at it from, a, a, like you were saying, it has to be approached from a skin issue because the, the underlying mm-hmm. matter, of what we understand it to be as Christians is a sin issue, but they they're not gonna buy that. So we do have to come and look at it from a standpoint of being a skin issue. Mm-hmm. So we have to say, you know, okay, yes, let's take a look at this, talk about the issue of racism, find some solutions to it, let's make a plan, let's get some things together in a peaceful manner and move forward with this. Mm -hmm. So you do have to kind of unfortunately, for the time being, leave out the part about Jesus. I hate to say that because I believe in Jesus so heartily, but if you're, as a counselor, I've always been trained that if you're going to reach people, if you're gonna help people, to, to change their thoughts, to change their behaviors, you have to meet them where they're at. That's where they're at. So I have to approach it for me from that issue of being a skin problem. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean.
3: I think, I think our approach as Christians has to first begin with showing as much love and showing the light that we have in ourselves. Because ultimately to make this Pretty quickly like ultimately for me personally if I'm sh- if I'm if Jesus is living through me and the gospel is living through me and I'm showing love and I'm being the light at some point the darkness is going to consider like all right, where's he getting his love from where's he getting this this light that and then they may begin to start asking those questions that may end up leading to that perspective of being able you know, to bring that non-believer in so like in this situation how are you being so positive? How are you having these conversations? How are you still showing this love to people? And then you'd be able to say like, like Jesus, you know, Jesus is living through me. I'm being a vessel in this moment. And hopefully in some way, some somehow, I'm able to shine that light s- to where somebody else wants to join that that side and join that cause. And it's, it's definitely not easy, yeah. Um, yeah. which, you know, I mean, being a Christian outside of a pandemic and outside of this mess that we're living in is difficult anyway, but we still have to shine that light and we still have to, to show that love in this situation to where people will want to be attracted to that and, and be a part of that. So that might, that might be an option. Well, what's,
0: what's, what's easier, to say you love somebody or to show that you love somebody? When I think about the greatest thing that Christ ever did, it didn't involve words, right? His death on the cross. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And that is what speaks to an unbelieving world, world, his action, right? And so I think for the church, I'm gonna throw it under the bus for a minute, okay? The church. For years and years and years, we've said that we love, but then these opportunities have presented themselves to show that we love, Mm -hmm. and we've been scared to act. Now, not every church right? But by and large, a lot of times we haven't stepped up because, you know, and a a lot of times we have, but in in these racial areas, I don't think we've been united with our, our black brothers and sisters in other churches and formed bridges in the way. And now you have a polarizing incident and people crying in the streets. You just heard Joe say, Man, we're scared to go to work. Our families, we're kissing our kids goodbye. I mean, it's, you know, and these are this is, he's my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. And so for us as a church, what speaks to an unbelieving world isn't the fact that we say we love them. It's that we show them that we love them. And how we go about that, I think is what we're trying to learn and listen right. to find information about.
1: Yeah, and you, you started talking
2: here. Uh, I was just going to share kind of the same thing. You don't have to... Speak of Jesus to show Jesus. And and eventually, people are going to see it through you, through your actions, and they're going to come asking. So, whether it's a two day span or a two year span, they're going to see a difference in you. And they're going to come asking, Why are you different than everyone else I talk to? Mm -hmm. And that's where you can start pushing into Jesus. And uh, they're going to, they may fight back still. But they're still going to, if you keep showing them and showing them, they're going to come back.
4: And and, and I agree with everything that everybody here said about that because that's actually what my post was on social media. It was that, and you probably have seen it, it it was that picture with um, like four black guys. They were connected in arms and there was a police officer that got disconnected from his unit Mm -hmm. and surrounded by a hostile crowd that wanted to get to this guy and they protected him and that's the post that i put on where i got the opposition the push back from uh, my relative who was saying well if that had been you know the opposite where it would have been a bunch of cops around and then the black guy was by himself they probably would have did this to him they would have done that to him and that's when i had to tell him i said you know look we we operate on two different Wavelengths as far as belief systems. Yeah. And I said, so the approach that I have to take in this yeah. when I post something like this is to show the light of Jesus. And that's actually what my post said. It said that uh, the love and light of Yahweh God will always pierce the darkness. That's yeah. what I said. And that's when he came back and, and well, would that had been the other way, it would have been this or that. And it was like, you know, I don't know if it would have been or it wouldn't have been. I don't know that. I said, but what I do know is what's being said in this picture. And what's being said in this picture is they are showing the light of, and love of Jesus Christ by protecting this guy and not letting the crowd have their way with him. Um, so I know and I, I agree we do have to just meet people where they're at. Understand that they don't believe or they have a different belief system, but be the light, You know, walk the walk, talk the talk, be Jesus to people who maybe you've never even opened the Bible before. That's the only way that maybe they'll ever even know what's in it is by looking at the way you live your life. So I agree 100% and I, I definitely think that that's where we need to start for people that don't have a foundation with Jesus Christ. Yeah. You,
0: she said something the other day in our conversation I thought was it was awesome. It was so good. Well, it just. Most of what she said: awesome. What well, helped? It helped me because I feel like I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. Yeah. I want to help people. You know, when I hear that some of my friends are scared to go to work, or some of my other friends are scared to drive through town, you know, like I want to. What can I do? What can I say? What can I? And one of the things that you said was, you don't have to have, you don't have to have the right words, you know. And you you talked about. Um, You know, you you likened it to somebody who's who's giving birth. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that helped me, in all honesty. Because I I never I want to have the right words, and you're like, no, it's not about the right words. Talk talk about
4: that a little bit. Okay, so I gave the scenario of you know, as far as like uh, what is needed as far as because black people, we're in the fight. We know what we need to do to bring about um, equality and, and to strive for that. But for those who are not black you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ and others. Um, what can we do? Because I, I get that question a lot. Well, What, what can we do to, to help? Um, and it's not always about running to go fix it, so to speak. But it's like a woman who is getting ready to give birth. She goes into the delivery room. She may take, you know, her husband or a birthing support person with her. And this person that goes in with her can't. Stop the pain. That person cannot um, give birth for her. Um, but what they can do is be there by her side, hold her hand, and just be in the room with her. And so the answer to that question from people who are not black as to what can I do, you can be in the room with us. We're not necessarily saying that you have to solve the problem for us or or you know fix what's wrong with everything so to speak Mm -hmm. but just be there with us and and, and we're seeing shadows Mm -hmm. and of that right now because we have people who are not white we've got a lot of people who are not black i should say who are out there doing the peaceful protesting Mm -hmm. who are side by side with their african-american brothers and sisters helping they are doing whatever they can to make sure that our police officers are not being attacked. They're out there making, Because, by the way, there are are black police officers too. And and people have been showing how they've been getting attacked, being called things like an uncle Tom or other terrible words. Um, And they care about their communities just as much as any other person does or else they wouldn't put on the uniform, they wouldn't put on the shield, they wouldn't go out there every day and do the job that they are doing if they didn't care. Yeah. Um, so it's just about being in the room with us. And that means if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Don't stay silent on the issue. And that's one of the things that I, I've kind of been talking to people about because, I mean, I see people who are posting things, who are saying things. I'm having conversations with people where they are outraged. Because of the the looting and the stealing that's going on which by the way I have made completely clear that I do not agree with you don't take things that don't belong to you you don't destroy things but here's the here's the the problem with that the people that I've seen posting things I go back and I look on social media to see if they've mentioned anything about how we got to this point meaning did they say anything about having outrage for a man having his neck sat on for over eight minutes and couldn't mm. breathe and eventually died. And we watched it on social media. And I look back at all these people who are outraged about the, the animals and the thugs who are destroying things. And I don't see one post. About a man that lost his life unjustly. Yeah. Mm. Subtle things, mm. the overt things we, we can <laughs> see, it's easy to see. It's the subtle things that oftentimes get past us. And so when I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, why? How are you so outraged about property? Because that's what we're talking about. Property. But you have not a single word to say about the loss of a human life. I don't understand that. Um, And so when and then they'll come back and. They'll say, well, people are, shouldn't do that. And I, and once again, I agree with that. It shouldn't happen. But then I also think back, and this is where you get a lot of the, the, the thoughts of Black people coming up and the emotions that we have. Because when we look back to um, years past, like in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s even, for example, um, Black Wall Street, if anybody's ever Googled that or know what it is, Black Wall Street was a predominantly African-American community um, in Oklahoma where they were thriving. They were economically independent. They were doing great. They were doing well. But they started to get just a little too economically independent. And an accusation was made that a black man had um, assaulted a white woman, there was a group of citizens that decided to get together from an all-white community, go into Black Wall Street, and they burned it to the ground. Over 300 people died, no arrests, no court, no conviction. And that was just one isolated incident. So when black people see things like what happened to George Floyd. And they're remembering, because the, we're talking about black people who, number one, are still living or who, who this happened to their, their grandparents or their great grandparents. So they have some immediate connection with this. And then they see and they know about those things that have happened, but then they see this. And they're like, so where's the arrest?
2: Yeah.
4: Where's the, the court? Where's, where's the conviction? And when nothing happens. I think a lot of times that's where the outrage comes.
0: Maybe it's not even if something happens, it's like the acknowledgement. And so maybe even, you know, we're talking about being in the room, but maybe as followers of Christ, maybe as the church, before you can be in the room, you have to acknowledge that there is a room to be
1: in. Yeah, that's
0: right. And so sometimes I think, And you can give me a perspective here. Some, one of the things that you just said, I thought was so good. You know, we see, we see outrage over looting and rioting and understandably so that hits you every single day. Yeah. Right. That's the stuff you're dealing with.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, that's very real. And so once again, that's why it's so polarizing because that's very real for you uh, on, on, and maybe on your side, maybe on your side, we're saying, okay, I see that, but where's the, where's the acknowledgement of injustice? Right. And once again, it pushes us to sides. Like, either you're for justice or you're for cops. You see, like, right. the ridiculousness of that? Very ridiculous. And once again, it's like you're either for black people or for white people, for this community, for that community. And it's like, no, like, you can stand for this and for that and call for the, and that's once again the gospel. Sorry, that's why I'm here. Like, just once <laughs> yeah. again, the only thing that solves that is the gospel. Right. Right, is the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, to change hearts.
1: Absolutely. I want you to talk a little bit more about your experience because you started to touch on something super important there, that there are people, even people that call themselves Christians, that are so open about, you know, condemning the rioting, condemning the looting, but have not heard, we haven't heard one peep about the actual injustice that's happening to black people, or just for that matter, anyone that's not white all across the globe, but a lot here in the United States that doesn't, get spoken about, doesn't get brought to the forefront. There's a lot of people that aren't speaking on that but they're quick to talk about everything else that's going on. How's that affected you?
3: man, it's been it's been super super difficult. I mean it's a huge weight. Um, I mean part of the perspective that I bring to it is I am, I'm mixed, you know I'm white and I'm black so in so many of these situations it's like, I'm trying to see your side of it because I have white family. I have white friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to see, you know, the black side of it because I have black friends and 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 black family. But I think, you know, yeah, the George Floyd thing, like I said, it was something that was just like we're just tired of it. But it's not just simply just to say that it was a white cop with his knee on a black male. it it can't be that simple. In in my eyes, it can't be that simple because number one, yes, white cops kill white people. Yeah, black people kill black people, you know what I mean? And then when people, you know, my my biggest frustration really in a lot of ways is like, all right, this happened. Well, what did he do to to deserve this cop doing, doing this to him? Or, you know, trying to make all these different excuses of let's not think about the real issue Let's try to bring in something else to try to combat that, which is completely unfair, which is completely um, just silly, honestly. But, you know, as far as, you know, social injustice, police brutality, um, you know, we, we've had a conversation about just white privilege in general and the judicial system in, you know, just the the incarceration percentages and stuff like that, even in some of the statistics that we've kind of looked at and and considered. um, There's just so many different things that have continuously been piled up, you know? And for me as a a black man that, you know, I associate with, um, if I use my association with that, you know, I've had, My moments, some of them have been really subtle. Some of them have been, you know, everyday things that I notice, but then some of them of being pulled over, being, you know, having five police officers um, having to come to your car when they don't even tell you why you've been pulled over, or to have to sit there for three hours um and and have two or three different police officers say well he pulled you over for this and then another one coming over well he pulled you over for that and you're being asked do you have weapons of mass destruction in your trunk or do you have contraband in your trunk it's just like like are we serious right now like do we really is this really necessary in a way where a black man who like I've said on my post like Outside of two months in the summertime, I look like y'all most of the time just because I'm so I'm so light. And for me to still (laughs) and for me to still and for me to still be in situations like that, obviously, it shows that that there is an issue and it's far greater. And again, in some of the statistics we look at, like the darker that you are, the more chances you are into being pulled over the more chances that you are of getting a higher sentence in in prison or whatever the case may be and it's just all of these little things you know i i could sit here for days and dwell on and think about just all of the injustices that i've personally encountered and this is me being you know very light-skinned um living in all different types of cultures and situations and living arrangements and different things like that. Um, it's, it's tough, it's, it's mind-blowing that you have a desire to be able to overcome this stuff, and um, you make a little bit of progress here and there, and then you have that pullback or that pushback. And you might make a little bit of progress and then you might just get tired. Like you might, you might be outraged for a month and then you just get tired of fighting and fighting and fighting and not seeing any change. And then you're just like, all right, let's just go back to the, the way we was until another situation happens. Yeah. And you know, that's just kind of the life that you wrestle with and you deal with um, in, in this culture, unfortunately. Can I, can I ask
0: a question? Sure. Can I say some question to Joey from what you said? Because I think, uh, man, that was really good, what you said. You fight and you fight and you fight and then you just kind of, and then another incident, you fight and you fight and you fight and you fight. And you kind of get this like combat fatigue to a degree. Right. You know, It's like I've heard of, of compassion fatigue, where now because of social media, because of just media in general, you see so much hurt and so much pain. And you can only take so much until you're like fatigued from it. And I think now on social media, like I remember when I first got on on Facebook, it used to be like, oh, I'm talking to my friends and hey, what's going on? You know, and now it's just like heavy, heavy, heavy. And then there's a cat playing the piano and then it's heavy, heavy, heavy. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And it's like we have it's like we get fatigued. Mm -hmm. It's like, which issue should I give all of my emotion to today? Because there's only so much me. And I think for me personally, this is where I wanted to throw Joe in a little bit. Because when it, as it pertains to doing something, loving, caring, and fighting for an issue, I mean, I know I'm a pastor and I preach and I talk and I meet with people and share the gospel, but on a daily basis, Joey, you're doing more to fight against injustice, racism, like, than than me ever, because you're doing that every single day. Can you speak to that a little bit from the perspective of a Christian police officer? How How does that look like? What does that look like for you going into work every day with what's going on and how
2: we're, what's that yeah, perspective? So the, the community I work in, um, <clears throat> we, it's pri- primarily a white community. Um, we have a lot of people from Columbus come down. So we're working with people from everywhere, but primarily white, um, where I work, I don't feel that as much, the, I don't see the racism. I'm not. I'm not denying it. it's out there, and, and where in the community I work in, um, with the officers I work in, <clears throat> I, I've never seen it. I've been here almost 12 years. Um, it's hard when you're trying to <clears throat> remain in control of situations, um, whether someone's white or black. When I'm sent on a call, I'm trying to show them, for me, the compassion of Christ that, that I have in me, um, and, and treat them with respect. Um, no matter what race they are, but a lot of times there's, there's, there's extreme pushback yeah. and, um, you just get to the point it's draining. Yeah. You were just constantly being pushed back on. And you're like, I think this, I didn't go and seek out somebody. Yeah. did it wasn't just randomly driving around and then said, Hey, what do you, and, and jumped out? You know, it's like a, a hypothetical, so I was sent here because you got caught stealing from the store. And I'm here because you got caught. You know, you have that in your purse. That's, yeah. you stole that. That's theirs, right? Yeah. And I'm called a racist for it. And I'm like, mm. and it just, it does. Like you said, it, that that constant combat fatigue, it just drains on you. And, and you try to show the compassion of Christ, but it just, that just over and over and over just breaks you down. And you almost throw in the flag and you're like. yeah. Can it, you share that story? Yeah. So. Um, uh, The recent protest, we had a a white female officer who was at a post by herself, and uh, um, she hears some screaming. Obviously, she figures out where it's come, there's a car. She uh, runs over to help, and they're saying he's bleeding. Um, From my understanding, they they took him out of the car, a guy had been shot um, in a domestic situation eventually is what was discovered. Um, She's running an aid to this guy, she's trying to save his life. She's a white female cop, this is a black male. Um, she's putting chest seals on him, trying to, to stop the bleeding. And she, from her perspective, it, it was extreme, this was bad. And why the whole time she's on the ground trying to save this guy, people are just walking by her, um, coming out of the protest areas from, uh, from Columbus and screaming, cussing, saying, kill the police, um, George Floyd's name. Um, um, hands up, don't shoot. And the whole time she's doing is she's trying to save this man's life, not knowing what's behind her head. Yeah. And she's just terrified the whole time. I'm gonna get hit with a rock. I'm gonna get shot. I'm gonna get punched. Yeah. Um, fortunately, um, we were able to get another officer with her yeah. and both of their accounts, she, it was very sketchy. They were scared. Yeah. And all they're trying to do, they don't care what, who this guy is, male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. It's our job. We're called to do this. We're put in a situation that we weren't expecting. We were expecting to go down and block some roads far from the protest that day. And this was just thrown into her plate. And that, that'll wear on you. That's something she will remember forever, that I was trying to save this black man's life. And no matter how how much of support a black can you get as a white female officer, yeah. I'm trying to keep this man alive. And people were behind you. They don't care what you're doing. And that'll that'll be an impression on her that'll be i'm sure hard to break for a long time
3: so if from your perspective coming from just this conversation and wanting to grow but also from a black um from a person in a black community is there would you say that maybe you go to different situations, you may not look at things black and white, you're just going to go address the situation that's at hand and, and maybe you feel the same thing that's in your department and so forth, so on. Is that something that is has been systematically trained in you from the law enforcement side or is that something that's primarily been your upbringing, other people's upbringing? And maybe two part question is if it is something that you know, maybe isn't addressed to the department-wide. Um, department-wide, mm-hmm. is it something that should be done more? Is it not necessarily because these situations are going on, but is it, is it something? Do you feel like there could be more done in law enforcement as far as training and and understanding the divide and the yeah. racial connotations and stuff? And for sure. <laughs> so, um,
2: uh, I'm not sure what the. I was in the Academy 12 years ago, uh, 12 years ago. Yeah, there was, there was training. There's racial profiling and bias training that you go through um, to prevent these things, um, to understand what they are, uh, the legalities of it. You know, um, you go through all that. Um, so I'm trained then within our agency, we've gone through a few different times in my 12 years uh, of retraining, bringing it up um, and other things even, sexual harassment training, similar type things, or just, uh, uh, we do go through that. Can you do more training? I think you can do more training in everything. Uh, and it will benefit us? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think it will ever hurt. Um, there's maybe other agencies. Again, I'm, a, I'm working in a primarily white community. Columbus, there's I don't know how many thousands of officers. Um, you may have one officer that works in a primarily black community almost his whole career, and he's a white officer he may need some more of that retraining because of like that combat, like you said, that combat fatigue where you throw in the flag and you're like, I'm I'm done, I don't care, more than the Columbus officer who's way up somewhere else where it's primarily white. So, yeah, uh, some other agencies may need it more than others. Some specific officers may even need it just because the community they work in um, over another, but... I know I've received training myself. Um, Our agency has quite a bit. I know there's a standard set by Ohio that we require so many hours of it. So every officer in Ohio has gone through that same training. Different agencies do more than others.
3: In your opinion, would you attribute, would you consider, um, you know, in a lot of these situations that have been televised, Mm -hmm. been videoed of police brutality, so forth, so on, would you attribute that just in your opinion, to a lack of training, maybe in some of these places, or would you attribute it more towards these personal beliefs of officers?
2: Uh, one thing's lack of training. The bigger the agency, the less training you get. Um, so it, it's just a fact. It, it's it's too hard to train that many people and and provide good training. So um, and that's just my personal knowledge and experience. So yeah, lack of training and defensive tactics. Um, We train on that a lot, Um, and watching that video, I'm looking at saying, okay, well, he's cuffed. I don't know all the circumstances. I wasn't standing there. I can't argue that constantly, but I can say, for me, once once you're cuffed, let's move to the next thing. We need, what's the next step? Um, I don't know what the weight was there. So again, I can't argue for him. But um, um, lack of training, yeah. Get him cuffed, let's move on, render aid. If you can, if things aren't progressing, that is a training situation. Um, we don't, some agencies will do a lot of defensive tactics in an academy and do very little after. It's the same thing as riding your bike. If you don't ride a bike for 10 years and you go to ride a bike, you're going to be a little squirrely for a little while. So it's something that it's repetitive, repetitive and repetitive and repetitive. Um, firearms training, all that stuff. you got to do it a lot to become good at it.
0: So what happens when you put lack of training with somebody who does have a bias towards someone?
2: Um, yeah, per, potentially you could get a, a serious situation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the difference. Does that, make, does that make sense? Oh yeah, that sense, huh? yeah. Um, the The difference you have um, with these situations and in, in, in officers, um, you don't know what's happened that day, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I'm sure you came home from work frustrated, worn out, yeah. and snipped at your wife. And she's looking at you like, "What? A, don't you dare come home and talk to me. Like, I didn't do nothing to you.
1: She <laughs> wouldn't.
0: No, she <laughs> wouldn't. She would, she would she's now, from bro. Kentucky, man. <laughs> yeah. She'd
2: whack you upside with a switch. Well,
0: I can tell you this. I'm glad that some of those moments haven't been caught on camera.
2: Yeah, yeah for sure.
1: And put for the world. Let,
2: Let me see. emphasize on something that I've experienced. Again, for me, the way we operate within our agency is um, this may be a district that two officers, three officers are assigned to. I have ran into houses and done CPR and they're, they're gone, they're dead. Yeah. And I've walked right back out the front door to their friends, their family. And I, and I, I, get, I tell them right then, no, I'm sorry, he's dead. He, yeah. he didn't make it. I've done that with kids, I've done it with old people, I've done it with teenagers. and yeah. There's three of us in this district. We've got other calls to do. Yeah. All three of us aren't staying here we kind of looked around, I'll take this one. I get in my car and I drive away. That's the end of it for me. Yeah. I literally did CPR on a guy, he's dead. I tell them he's dead and I drive away. Yeah. And I get called to your barking dog complaint. Yeah. And then you wonder why an officer may be a little bit more angry, emotional. Yeah. And then people get angry and mad at us and he shouldn't. We should treat everyone fair. I should come into it the same way. I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to be upset. So when you get that fight back, maybe on a traffic stop, where you just stop somebody because they ran the red light in front of you and 30 people in the intersection are looking at you and you're like, I got to do something about this. So you go stop them. And immediately the guy starts arguing and screaming with you and you flip out on them. I'm not saying the George Floyd flip, flip out, but you flip out on them. It's all on video. Everybody sees it. It looks bad. It's not appropriate. It's not excused there may be some underlying issues to that. And people don't realize, I think people think we stop cars, we write tickets, we take reports. We do all that. There's a lot more things we do. Yeah, but yeah, potentially.
0: So, a lot to think about. <laughs> and I'm interested to hear how this kind of hits you. For some of us, you might be a little challenged in your thinking. For some of you, you know, you might be a little uh, frustrated. For, for others of us, maybe it feels like you're hearing this stuff for the first time that's okay that's good we're the body of christ we can walk through those things together as long as as we mentioned in the conversation the gospel is at the center right regardless of our differences so this was just part one Uh, next week on midweek podcast you're going to get to hear part two which is going to deal a lot with mental health continuing this conversation talking about law enforcement the black community and uh, how we respond as a church. So today was great. Next week is great as well. I want to encourage you to tune in next week. Until then, I'm Travis. Thanks for joining us for Midweek.